This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. Welcome to the PGA of Canada T-Talks podcast. My name is Mark Rowe from TSN. Uh, If you've been listening to our podcast so far, I guess first off I should say thank you. Um, And you've probably noticed we've had some amazing guests who have all accomplished so much in their respective fields. And today is no different. In fact, it's so easy to marvel over what she's accomplished. So where do we begin? Well, she earned a BA in economics at Yale. She led the women's golf team to an Ivy League championship in 2003 and 2006. She would then go on to earn her MBA from the Wharton Business School at the University of Pennsylvania. She played professionally from 2007 to 2011, including three seasons on the LPGA. And now in her post-playing career, she's worked at IMG. She was Michelle Wee's business manager. She became the director of business strategy at Top Golf and is now the founder and CEO of Sports Box AI, where they are developing products using AI-enabled 3D motion analysis technology that will help participants of various sports and fitness activities learn and improve their skills. Today's guest, the one and only G. Hey Lee. Wow. Great to have you on today. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for having me on. And uh, very impressive you didn't stumble over any words describing sports box. Usually people uh, trip over a few of those those uh, sciencey words. So <laughs> that like the first bit of that intro was off the top of my head. It got a little complicated there at the end. That's when uh, I'll uh, I'll pull back the curtains. The host needs a little bit of a script for that one. But over the next 20, 30 minutes here, I feel like I'll learn a lot more about what you're up to with Sportsbox AI. And um, I'm so fascinated with your career and, and the journey that you took to get to this point. So let's start there because in, in reading up about you, you know, you've really been at the forefront of innovation in golf. And I want to say you've been doing it since you were a young kid. And frankly, I have to think back then, you know, the word innovation wasn't even used in the golf industry. So why is, you know, an innovative mindset in golf so important for its sustainability? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I don't know if I can say that I was an innovator from a young age, but I did start you know, playing the game at a young age and got really into it and played at a pretty competitive level. I was always a, um, I wouldn't say a tinker, but I loved just learning the learning process that golf affords. You know, if you get really into it, like the the process of um, getting stuck on a problem and then really diving into it and then figuring out a solution, like I love that learning process. And that's probably what led me to what I'm doing now is, you know, really at the core of of improvement is is having access to get data that being being able to measure where you are and where you want to go and, you know, in detail. And and I I love that I get to be part of that process. Well, 
you know, you you're in this leadership role now, and not only are you pushing things forward, but you're this great resource of of knowledge and, and advice for so many people in the business, which is obviously one of the big reasons why we have you on. And you know, you have a quote which which I really like, and it's ask all the dumb questions in the moment. Don't wait to have the perfect question. It's better than not knowing the answer, or worse yet assuming without asking um why don't you elaborate on that and how you use that quote there in your day-to-day operations yeah i'll give an example on um how that translates to what we do on the golf course and what we do in life and business too like on the golf course if you're trying to make a decision on what kind of shot to hit like you really want to have all the information, right? If you're, if you have a caddy with you, you know, you definitely want to have that conversation to say, okay, is it 139 to the front? Is it 142 to carry the bunker? You know, is it uh, uh, rolling off on the, on the left side? Is it bad? Is it worse on the, the, the far right? Like you want to have all of the information instead of kind of guessing or assuming something or um, and so that's how, you know, if you want to really commit to a shot and execute a shot how you want, you want all the information. You don't want to guess at it. And in in business, too, you know, if there's so many things that go um, unspoken because you're afraid to speak up and sound dumb in a meeting room. If you have mm-hmm. four or five, six people and there's an executive in the room and you're like, oh, wait, like that didn't seem entirely clear, whether it's oh, when exactly is a campaign launching? Is it is that when the campaign is ready to go or when it's actually launching to public? You know, things like that, that are really important detail that if you're thinking about that question, the, the chances are somebody else in that room is asking the same question. Just say it, <laughs> right. right? Instead of guessing and, you know, you're, you're leaving yourself guessing, you're, you know, leaving everybody else in the room, um, probably worse off by not asking the question. So I've learned earlier on that it's better to always ask, even if you think it might sound dumb in the room, in the moment. It's, it's so, it's one of those like universal bits of advice. It doesn't matter if you're you're working in golf or any other business as a broadcaster, you know, sometimes, you know, you want to assume that you do have all the information and, and then you, you come away from getting your five minutes with a, with a player and someone will ask, well, did you, did you ask him about the injury? And it's like, well, I, I assumed I probably should know, you know, it's like, why didn't you ask the main question? You know, like it's, yeah. okay, it's okay. You know, like kind of, it was almost like get over yourself, you mm-hmm. know, no, no one has all the knowledge in the world. And, um, and then that's the way that you, you do kind of move forward. And, 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 you know, moving forward is such a big part of, of what you've been able to do in a sport where, and you correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes is reluctant to do that is, is reluctant to, to embrace change. So, you know, as we have a bunch of professionals listening to us right now, what is the single biggest change the golf professional can be ambassadors of at the local level that would create the, the largest positive change? Yeah, I have a, I have so many ideas on this. Um, so of course I played the game at the highest level. I played as a junior golfer, competitive golf, college golfer. I've been in lots of different golf situations. Um, Now I get to um, help my friends get into the game of golf for the first time. Often I'm their first uh, companion or shepherd to get guide them through their first driving range experience, first nine hole experience. 
And it's given me this like brand new perspective on what a new golfer goes through um, when they think about picking up the game. And that's, that's often hard for people at the core of the business to really understand. Again, back to the point of like, not assuming like, there's a lot that you forget about how intimidating it is, how uh, how many questions, how many dumb questions a new golfer may have that are, you know, that 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 may seem like they may not have the resource to ask, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the biggest things, um, one of the things that I'd like to challenge everybody in the industry is to like really put yourself in the shoes of somebody who is brand new to the game. And in terms of, um, you know, operating at a facility, like what what changes can you implement? I would love to have like a designated host that's like really tasked with um, one thing and one thing only, which is to go and like steward somebody in their first golf experience at your facility. Like just point out things that are completely obvious to a seasoned golfer, like this is a tea box. Why are there so many tea boxes? This is where you come and get checked in. Like, why do you have to check in? You know, this is how you get a bucket of balls and like all the obvious things um, that a new newcomer may not, you know, may not know. And just ha- by having somebody whose job it is to be that host, like welcoming committee, somebody may decide to come on their own even, right? Like it's really hard mm-hmm. to imagine coming to a facility on your own without somebody to guide you. But if you do have somebody at the at the, the like the facility level that's tasked with doing that, that might open the doors to more golfers. That's such a great point because yeah, golf and obviously it's, it's come a long way has almost had a barrier around it where you're part of an exclusive club, regardless if it's a private club or, or, or public. Um, you know, if you've never played before, why would you know, you know, and it can be all the little rules that golf has, then they have them for a reason. Or as you point out, like the, the, the sort of, sort of uh, simple things. Now, uh, simple is not how I would describe your career and and some of the moves you've made, because uh, it's very easy to be comfortable in where you are. Uh, you have, have pushed the boundaries and you've, you've really, I, I would say you've taken some big risks and, and look at this, you know, this last move that you made, um, you know, director of business uh, strategy with Topgolf, uh, really big company that's flourishing, to now the CEO and founder of Sportsbox AI. So for PGA professionals listening to this podcast, and they might be struggling with risks, they might want to move clubs or have a new role in the industry. How, how important is taking a risk in your career to get to where you ultimately want to be? Yeah, I've, um, <laughs> I think it's the way I grew up. Uh, I'm a middle child. I always <laughs> like being super independent. Um, and I almost get uncomfortable when I get too comfortable. Um, and I like somehow had an aversion to being one of many <laughs> in whatever <laughs> situation. If something is expected of me, I almost figure out a way to defy that (laughs) um so you know when i when i was at yale graduating like most people expected for me to i don't know go get a get a job in finance or consulting or something um and same with my parents and i just said you know what i'm gonna go give this golf thing a try (laughs) (laughs) or it's not gonna happen um and when i was kind of getting comfortable you know you never get quite comfortable as a professional golfer let's be real but um i was kind of getting to a point where i was like you know I think I can um, kind of have a steady-ish career 
on this tour, um, but is this really what I want to do long term? And I start kind of questioning, and then I took a big risk by leaving that and finding a career in business, and you know, kind of took lots of different turns. Golf has always been at the the core of that, um, and what's kind of kept me grounded. I think taking a risk is interesting because you have to take calculated risks, right? right. Um, and the calculation is not is this a guaranteed success? Because then, you know, that's not a risk. Um, mm. But am I going to have more set of doors, more set of opportunities um, by taking this move, taking this next step than I would have in my current circumstances? doesn't have to be a guarantee, but am I going to have a new set of opportunities that I currently don't have access to by taking, like making this change? I think that's a good move. And even if it seems like pretty drastic, um, so for example, you know, from Yale to golf, golf to business, it's it's not a linear path, but I think I am better off because I was able to build on each of these experiences and and create almost like a, like a very unique set of skills that I couldn't have gathered in a linear path, right? Like I have very specific set of skills because I was a professional golfer um, that set me up for like unique advantages and unique skills, unique um, unique value to a company like IMG or Top Golf. Because I had those skills and the combination combined with my golf background, I'm doing what I'm doing. I literally cannot think of um, like a better um, set of skills or like set of past experiences to have set me up for what I'm doing right now. Again, like without the golf background, like playing at a high level, without having represented a, uh, you know, global icon, superstar golfer, and seeing that side of things, um, like having worked at Top Golf, where I got to, you know, uh, be part of a big brand in golf, but also work in technology in golf, because I worked on the Top Tracer business. Um, I I could not be doing what I'm doing without all of those, you know, those little zigzags. So as long as the next thing that you're doing is going to help you stack your skills and kind of combine unique experiences to, again, set yourself up up for new doors and new opportunities, I don't think of it as a a crazy risk. Well, uh, because you didn't take a linear path, uh, you make for a better podcast guest because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more interesting. And and I, I talked uh, I, when we started about your path, and you know, and you were, you were born in Korea, right? And you you came over with your family, and then your family left and went back, and you stayed here. And you know, this journey that you've been on is so fascinating because also you know of of who you are and the sport that you're working in, and you've been pretty outspoken about your early experiences moving from the LPGA tour to the boardroom and being the only female in the room, you know, why is it important? Um, This seems like an obvious question, but why is it so important for golf to have diverse views um, and, and for just in businesses in general to have those diverse views and voices uh, like yourself? Yeah. This is something that I feel personally very passionate about for, obvious reasons but now I really see it and feel it and like live it like importance of having a diverse set of views and contributions into building a product or service or a business that has impact on 
other people. So like, and I, I recently read a book um, that was recommended by another, you know, female executive mentor of mine. And um, it's, it's called Invisible. Uh, I'm gonna have to come back with the name of the book. <laughs> but basically, it the premise of it is going through like the history of the world, all of the great things that have been built for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, by and large, have been built by men. And therefore, it neglects the point of view or the user's experience for women. So very, very, very specific example. There are two specific examples that it kind of gives in the preface is one, 100% of office buildings, um, office spaces, the, the temperature, the default temperature is set for a male uh, kind of like comfort zone which is like three to four degrees colder than uh, like what a woman, uh, generally speaking, what a a female office worker would feel comfortable. And so you'll see women huddled up in blankets and like the coats like inside of an office building all the time. Um, And then another example is like the seatbelt, for example, has been designed with test dummies that are, that are male bodies, very differently built than women, which has, it's just, different from like discomfort and colder weather like this is literally people's lives at risk because the seatbelt was designed for male bodies right um and so like imagine if they had women in the room when they were talking about building seatbelts um and for what we're doing now and i take pride in the fact that we're Probably, um, I don't. I haven't done actual research on this. I think we are the first golf technology company that's ever been built with women uh, leaders in the room, and that's how amazing. that transpires, uh, how that um, turns into, uh, how that kind of how we live that, and why that is important for what we're doing is everything from like the data that we put into building our AI engine and AI models. If it had been if this sports box company has been built, had been built by men and men only, they probably wouldn't have thought to put female golfer data into the model. So the AI would only recognize movement patterns and body, body motion and body parts of men, which seems crazy, right? When you're building something like anybody who's building AI, anything AI, AI may be very smart and it's a computer engine that's been trained um, to do amazing things, but it's at the mercy of the person, the human who's building it. And Mm -hmm. it has, it includes all of the implicit biases of the people building that engine. So think about like, if you were building any technology and you had zero female input or zero, you know, um, input from different ethnic backgrounds or, you know, like whatever it is, like if if you had like one person's point of view building an AI engine, that engine is going to serve one person or that type of person. So I I really think that this is something that is important for everyone to think about and be be mindful of. I'm not faulting people for having implicit biases. We are all trapped in our own like our own experiences. Like I have biases that I probably not aware of. It just matters that we're conscious of that and be intentional about 
just asking yourself the question every month, every day, like, am I doing my best to include the point of views and the experiences of people that are not like me? Because um, I'm building a product not for a bunch of GKs. I'm, I'm building a product for everyone. So mm-hmm. I would like to, I would like for a product to serve everyone properly. So, so if, 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 if there's, um, you know, business leaders out there listening to you right now, what would be your advice to them? Because there's a lot of talk about being diverse and everyone, mm-hmm. I think for the most part, um, you know, wants to say, yeah, yeah. Like I'm all for diversity. And then you kind of, you, you go away from your meeting or, or, you know, wherever the discussion's happening and you think, okay, so now, now what, well, how do I do it? So what would what would your advice be in terms of those leaders and how they can diversify their workforce? Yeah, I would say really force yourself to hire female leaders and leaders that don't look like you um, and, and may not be from the same geographic background, ethnic background. Try really hard. Um, and, it, and you have to try because most people do surround themselves with people who look and talk and you know are are similar to you like we like people who are similar to us so that's just the the human nature right um so you do have to try very hard to reach outside of that like i have to try not to only hire people who are asian female <laughs> um and I, I i i mean our zoom meetings are actually incredibly diverse like we have accents from literally every part of the world like russian accent indian accent chinese accent australian accent. every every like everyone is is represented um and it takes a lot of work for the person who's making the call on who to hire like not saying that give somebody an opportunity that they don't deserve but really really genuinely try to reach outside of your own network own circle um, to field candidates at that, to bring them in at the highest level. Cause once they're in leadership position, they can be the, the force for kind of bringing people like rounding out your team with their point of view and yeah. their network in mind. So I would really encourage them to, you know, hire leaders that are different from themselves. Well said. Um, let's talk about sports box AI. Um, I, like so many, have taken lessons uh, where a professional will tell me what's wrong with my swing and sometimes it's shown me on, on videos and sometimes it clicks and I'm like, oh yeah, of course, you know, I'm, I, I have way too much weight on this one leg. And then sometimes you just, it's tough for you to process it. I watched uh, a little bit of a video of what Sportsbox AI does. I'll do uh, a horrible job explaining it, especially compared to you. So why don't you tell us what it's all about? <laughs> I would actually like to hear you say it. Um, it's like a it's like a fun quiz that I, I tell my friends or like, hey, describe sports box in one one sentence or, or less. <laughs> um, but so sports box is a AI AI technology company that allows um, anybody to use their phone and turn it into a 3D motion capture analysis engine. Um, and our first product is Sportsbox 3D Golf, which is an application that allows you to um, capture a video on your phone of a golf swing and turn it into full 3D animation in the form of an avatar that you can turn around and um, also analyze all of the motion data um, around how the different parts of the body are moving. 
Um, so it's enabled coaches and golfers all over to really easily access data that's important to understand exactly what's going on with the golf swing and how to improve it. Awesome. So uh, again, to go back to a PGA professional, um, when they're working with an athlete uh, that they work with on a daily basis, how can they use Sportsbox AI to improve their teaching business and, and to be a more efficient teacher? Yeah. So there are two parts to this. One is efficient, better lessons in person or remote. And the other part is the business part. So I'll start with the first part. One, a lot of people shy away from 3D motion capture because they think, oh, it's 3D biomechanics and biomechanics is just like whole another thing. Like I'm not a biomechanist. I can't use that data. And my question to them is, well, do you use launch monitor data? And they're, they're like, yeah, sure I do. I'm like, are you a mathematician or a physicist? You're right. Like, no. <laughs> Why would I be a physicist to use launch monitor data? I'm like, well, you don't have to be a biomechanist to use 3D mocap data. It's just a way to measure because without measurement, you have no way of improving anything. Like if you want to lose weight, if you want to grow your business, what's the first thing you do? You know, you have to know what you're, what it is, like quantify what it is that you're trying to improve. The age old saying is um, you manage what you measure and you improve what you measure without measuring you don't improve that's just the baseline for all things universal truth so why are we trying to improve golf swings without measuring it right like is it five degrees of more turn or is it 10 degrees like what like if you don't have those quantified guidelines then you're saying oh, a little bit more and you're completely leaving that student like at your mercy, like for like the in-person lesson right. for you to literally tell them, oh yeah, just a little more. Oh, yeah, perfect. And then that feel is completely unreliable, like not repeatable because your feeling and your baseline of where your body is changes every day, every minute. You get off of a flight, your body feels different. So more for you is going to be very different in actuality. So um I, I just encourage everybody to look at this as a way to measure the swing so that you can improve the swing, not complicated biomechanics. I, I feel like you nailed it because there's so many times where when you do hit a good shot and it's like, okay, remember how that felt, right? And you're like, okay. And then two hours later, you get into your round. You're like, how did that feel again? Damn it. Like, you know, yeah. like, I'm looking at it again into the woods. Um, so is it is it as simple as you can you can use sports box with anybody or are are you somewhat selective over what kind of golfer what kind of what kind of person because I know it's not just golf um, that a teacher can use this on someone? Yeah, it could be anyone, and um, we've had we have thousands of instructors, coaches that have been using sports box on all levels of golfers. Um, all the way up to, you know, tour level players, um, you know, and those who are just starting out who may not want to see themselves on video <laughs> and an avatar provides a nice, you know, like emotional detachment from what you're seeing. And so you can kind of focus on what actually matters. So, um, and kids, like kids are like fascinated by seeing a virtualized version of themselves in this like robot looking thing. Um, and they get like immediately engaged. So um, it's it's really for everyone. And again, you know, the, the ability to measure of movement is is the quickest way to kind of improve somebody and communicate 
precisely like back to what we were talking about nothing fuzzy right like don't assume don't guess don't kind of roundly say like this or that like exact right like be exact in your communication um and that that goes for everyone that um that is involved with the game so so many possibilities with this and and outside of golf as well and into other sports and I, I do want to bring up another sport. Um, I don't know if you're a huge tennis fan or not, but at the U.S. Open, at the end of the hallway that players take to step onto Arthur Ashe Stadium is a plaque up on the wall. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote on that plaque, and it's from the icon herself, Billie Jean King, pressure is a privilege. Uh, you posted that on Twitter recently, and you know it resonated with you when you were a rookie on the LPGA tour. And from an athlete's perspective, it makes sense. It's a great quote, you know. And and even as a non-professional athlete, yeah, I can, you know, your life, um, you know, there there's pressure on to win that match or to score well in a round and to make money so you can survive. Now, as you're in this post-playing career, how does that quote? you know, work with you as a business leader? Yeah, it's, um, I get a little emotional when I think about that quote, because like I can, it really brings me back to where I was when I first heard it. Um, I was a rookie on tour and she was addressing the whole LPGA um, uh, player group. And I was, you know, in the middle of my rookie season, having missed every cut except one and feeling an enormous amount of pressure, like every shot I hit, every putt I'm, I, you know, was standing over and it just kind of um, like allowed me to embrace that feeling and say like, yeah, that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, you know, as a business leader now, I have people who depend on me, not everyone from uh, or people who are holding me accountable, who ex- expect me to do well, everyone from my, my family, right to investors who have said, hey, Jihei, like I'm putting this money in because of you. Like I trust you. Uh, I don't know any about technology, but I trust you and that's why I'm putting this money in, right? That's what Sean Sean Foley said, David Ledbetter said, Michelle Wee said when they gave me their money. Um, to people that I have hired and that are on payroll with me and they depend on the success of this company to create wealth for themselves, right? Um, that's all a lot of pressure. Like a lot of that is something that I have to take on be like, I have to do every, like every possible thing in my power, every single minute of my life to make this successful for all these people. And that's a lot of pressure <laughs> and that's a good thing. Um, right. And there, that, that great. many people expect great things of you and the company that are all in it, you know, engaged in, in, in the success of the company. Like that's a good thing. That's amazing. And that's amazing that people not necessarily want to get into the sports box business. They do. They want to get in the G. Hey Lee business, which is I, I have to imagine how proud you are that here you are at this stage of your career. And, you know, you're you're just getting going like you have you know this exciting future in whatever business you, you, you're in. Um, and, and as we look towards the future in, in golf. You know, where would you like to see the sport be from uh, both a participation and a business entity perspective and say like 25 years? And, and what kind of role does the PJ professional on the ground have in accomplishing that? I'll start with the business part of um, golf. I would love I, I feel like there's this little bit of tension right now. There's this, all these great technology out there, um, especially around remote coaching. 
um, where it's, you know, they're great companies like Skillist and others that have enabled um, like instruction to be delivered outside the context of the one-on-one like in-person lesson. That's great, but like it's kind of pulling revenue and time away from what coaches were doing on the T line. And, Mm -hmm. and so there's this like natural tension between the opportunity online for online business that coaches have and like the responsibilities that they may have um, on the T line at their facility, whether where they are employees. Um, And I would like for us to all get into a room and be like, listen, golfers want and need instruction more times than they can get to a T-line for a one-on-one lesson, mm-hmm. right? Like I need, I need way more than the the instruction that I get like once every quarter. <laughs> now, like, <laughs> like I would, if I'm struggling in the golf course, I want to be able to get help right then and there in the next 24 hours or, you know, seven days or whatever, not wait till I can get, you know, lesson booked when I'm in San Francisco, whatever. That's just the universal truth why are we kind of burying our heads in the sand and saying like that stuff like is only for online, like coaches should only like only choose one or the other, right? Like there should be a hybrid model that is a win-win for everybody. So um, we've had coaches and facility partners that have said, listen, we want to be able to serve all of those needs in person and online. And we're going to create a kind of an instructional membership package instead of just being like, we're only going to monetize the in-person lessons. Mm-hmm. So instead of the $200 for one hour lesson once a month, we're going to say it's a $400 membership and it includes one out one hour like in-person session, but like four sling reviews at a remote, something like that, that everybody would win in. And I would like for us to kind of all figure out how to serve the golfers better and win as a business too. Mm-hmm. Um. And then in general, more like future of golf participation, I I think the more that we can um, create different ways to play the sport, I mean, like top golf, but I see the the threes, for example, like their shorter form, like something that can be done in an hour and a half or less, uh, more of those ways, uh, entry points there are, are different ways to experience golf. I think we will all win, you know, because they're all funnels to funnel them down to the super avid golfers that are spending lots of money on golf travel and golf equipment and, you know, membership at a private facility. So, awesome. Uh, GA, uh, we're so fortunate to have you on, um, A, because of your busy schedule. Uh, we appreciate you finding some time for us. But what a remarkable career that you are creating, as I say that in the present tense, because I know uh, you have a lot of exciting stuff uh, coming uh, down the pipe in the in the coming years. So best of luck with Sportsbox AI, and we uh, we appreciate you joining us here on the uh, on the podcast. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Jihei Lee uh, joining us here. And we uh, want to say, say to you, thanks for tuning in to this episode of TikTok's podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean for up-to-date podcast alerts and early access. This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, 
building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living.